Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Andrew Russell. Welcome to Word of Truth. My name's Pastor Andrew Russell, and it gives me great pleasure to speak with you and share a message with you, a message of hope uh, from Hoxton Park Seventh-day Adventist Church in Sydney, Australia. Well, the title of the message today is called The Truth About Good and Evil. The Truth About Good and Evil. There must be a truth about good and evil for us to know when we consider all that is happening in the world, when we consider the brokenness of the world around us. And there are many different ideas out there, many philosophies that people have. But today I want to share with you what the Bible says. And I be believe the Bible gives the most sincere and honest and logical answer that we can, we can take on board. It's, it's, it's rational and it will help us to understand not only the world around us, but also the very struggles that sometimes we face in our lives and sometimes on a daily basis. And so it's my, um, my pleasure to bring that with you today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin by uh, sharing with you an eyewitness testimony. An eyewitness testimony as to where the origins of, of evil really began according to the Bible. And it begins uh, with uh, the words of Jesus, the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the center of the Holy Bible, the center of the Word of God. And so he came to give an eyewitness testimony. And I want to read for, for you from Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Notice what it says here. And he said unto them, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Jesus here speaking and his disciples record him in this, in this case, one of his followers uh, that came a little bit later, Luke, uh, records the words that the disciples shared with those around at the time 2,000 years ago. And they record Jesus and they quote Jesus saying that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, that's quite an incredible statement because the Bible says that he came from heaven. The Bible says, and the Apostle John records, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's in, uh, in the very first chapter, very first verses, sorry, of the Gospel of John. But in verse 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, Jesus, before he came here, he was known as the Word, the divine Word. And when he came here upon the earth, he became known as the incarnate word. In other words, all things that relate to God, that could be spoken, that could be told, was seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And so incredible things happened with Jesus in his ministry as he walked on this earth. But one of the things he said was, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's quite an incredible statement. Now, before we continue and we unpack that a little bit, I just want to ask you just to bow your heads with me just for a short word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I believe, Lord, with all my heart, and there are many who do, Lord, that what I hold in my hands is the Word of God, a personal revelation, Father, of yourself, given to mankind, Father, passed down from generation to generation to generation, the oldest revelation, Lord, 
that we could hold in our hands today. And we ask, Father, that you would give us understanding for spiritual things, Lord, are spiritually discerned. And Jesus said, Lord, that it would be the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that would guide us into all truth. And so we thank you for your Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know what? There's a Supreme Court judge, and and, an old Supreme Court judge in America, and he made a statement regarding an eyewitness testimony. He said whenever there was a a, a court case that had to pass through the court system uh, and and there was a ruling to be made on the system, he said in in more than 90% of the cases where there is an eyewitness testimony, Usually a jury sitting in some of those cases would always rule in favor of the eyewitness testimony. That's how powerful the eyewitness testimony is. And what we're reading here now is an eyewitness testimony that Jesus came to give. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And Jesus came to say that something took place in the cosmos. Something took place in the midst of the awesome creation and the worlds around us. Something took place by which evil came into the world. My friends, that's so different to some other things that we learn about. Uh, you know, we learn about karma. Some, some people turn about, uh, talk about karma and so forth. And what karma really tells you, karma tells you that good and evil naturally coexist together, that the world is naturally good and evil. Doesn't that make sense? And so therefore, as you live your life, you, you must try to do good, right? And, 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 and as you continue to good, perhaps one day, hopefully one day, you may be able to overcome that good, uh, so to overcome evil completely, if you continue to be good. But if you fail, well, you know what? You just keep going round and round in circles, and we have this, this idea of reincarnation round and round and round until the time that perhaps you get it right and you won't have to come back uh, again. Now, no one... <laughs> No one could ever tell us, no one's ever had that experience that can come back and tell you and me that, you know, once you go round and round and round and you will eventually get there. You know, we have to really just accept that and, 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 and try to live that by faith, isn't it? But we really don't know. And so good and evil naturally coexist in that system of belief and that system of faith. We have teaching of the teaching of evolution and evolution theory. And, and many today are, are teaching that as fact. But there are so many holes in that theory. And I don't want to get into the theory itself with you, but that theory itself states a similar, a similar belief that good and evil naturally coexist. Good and evil naturally coexist. And it's, it's all about survival of the fittest. Okay, it's just about survival of the fittest. Whoever comes out on top, that's what it's all about. Well, my friends, what Jesus is sharing is good news because what Jesus is saying is that good and evil do not naturally coexist. No, evil is an intruder in our world. That's why we are never satisfied with the evil and the pain and the suffering that we experience. Doesn't that make sense? I've never been to a funeral where people were happy. I've always been to a funeral where people are crying and mourning because we are not naturally accepting of the suffering and the pain and the evils in this world. Well, Jesus gives us this good news and he says, I saw Satan. I was there. It's my eyewitness testimony and I want you to accept it.
And so let me share with you a little bit more as the Bible unpacks what took place in heaven. Now, John was one of the apostles, as I mentioned, of Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, he wrote something that he saw in vision. God gave him a vision. The Spirit of God came upon him and gave him a vision. And, uh, and it was... a the vision of Revelation has to do with the, the battle between good and evil, the spiritual realities between good and evil that's taking place in this world. And John sees in vision things that past that have happened and things future that will happen even right down to our time and beyond, right up until the second coming of Jesus Christ, in fact. But I want to share with you one of those things he saw. He saw what took place in heaven, and he records that there was a great battle that took place between spiritual beings in heaven. And you can read it in your Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to get a Bible and begin to read. But let me share with you what it says in Revelation 12, verse 7. Notice he wrote, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Notice, there was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his, and his angels, and prevailed not. In other words, the dragon and his angels did not succeed. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, and that great dragon was cast out. Notice who the dragon is now. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives, wait for it, the whole world. Which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Isn't that incredible? John was shown. The Bible talks about a war that took place in heaven between spiritual beings, between angels. Something took place in there that sowed discord in heaven. And the rest of the prophets that uh, God spoke through, that he gave his revelation through, help to magnify our understanding of what took place there. And so I want, to turn with, I want you to turn with me now, and I want to take you to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, and I'm going to read verse 12 to 14. Notice, remember it said there was a, a, a war in heaven between, between two parties of angels. Notice it says in verse 12 here in Isaiah 14, and I want to read to verse 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Lucifer was the name of a rebellious angel that led the one party of angels into war against Michael and his angels. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Notice it says, How are you cut down to the ground, you who did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Do you know who the Most High is? My friends, that's our Creator. That's the God of all creation. He is the Most High God. No one could be higher than Him. But the Bible records, and Isaiah was shown in vision, that there was an angel who rose up, who wanted, who wanted a throne for himself and wanted to be exalted above the Most High God. Do you know what we call that in today's terms? Do you know what happens if someone tries to topple the government of, an, of another country? For example, here in Australia, if someone tried to topple the government of Australia, well, they would be thought of as criminals, and they would, they would be tried if they were prevented from doing that, of course, and, and they, their crime would be treason. 
Well, in this case, my friends, this crime of, of, of Lucifer, of this angel, we would call that a high treason. He tried to overthrow the government of God in heaven. And so it's quite an incredible revelation of what took place. And the Bible records that this is where evil began, not with God, but with this angel. And so let me take you to the prophet Ezekiel now. In Ezekiel chapter 28, the prophet Ezekiel was also given a vision and given a little bit more information. You know, it's quite incredible how the Bible records this for us. You see, the Bible was written over 1,500 years by various authors and living at different times, of course. But the Bible says that, this, that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so we see that there is a harmony with, with these revelations as we begin to study it out. And uh, here Ezekiel is adding his comments on the vision, on another vision that he was given from God himself. And notice what he says about this angel Lucifer. In verse 14, he says, You are the anointed cherub, cherub, that's an angel, that covers, and I have set you so. You upon the holy mountain of God, you have walked up, up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. That's another uh, description of, of holy angels. But notice it says, You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity, iniquity or sin, was found in you. Notice, he was perfect. He was a beautiful angel. In fact, the verse before describes his adornment. He was adorned with the sardius and the topaz and the diamonds and beryl. These were his beautiful clothes and the sapphire and the emerald and the carbuncle and gold. And it just describes him as beautiful and perfect, the Bible says here. Well, God made a beautiful angel. God made, is, a, is a beautiful creator. He makes all things beautiful. But the thing we begin to learn in the Bible is that all of his creation is given the freedom of choice. We have a free will. We have free will to choose to believe or not to believe, to obey or to disobey, to be self-centered or to be other-centered. And what I love about the Bible is it presents God as other-centered, not self-centered. But what we find here as we read about Lucifer, it says that he became self-centered. Notice as I read from verse 17, it says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. Notice, we would call that vanity today, wouldn't it? He was overcome with vanity and pride. He, he was overcome with a sense of his own self-importance. Don't we see that in the world today? Don't we see people struggle with a sense of their own self-importance? With such self-importance that we're willing to trample on the next person in order to get what we want. In order to get where we want, we're willing to put others down that we may be lifted up. That was the spirit of, of, of Lucifer and of Satan. The word Satan means enemy. And so Lucifer is presented as Satan or the devil. The Greek word is diablos, which simply means enemy of God. And so this is what the Bible presents to us is the source of evil. It's a mystery. The Bible calls it the mystery of iniquity. We cannot understand it. You know, we can't understand why if there's a holy God, if there is a, a living God and a creator God and a God of, of all beauty, you know, why then is there evil and suffering in the world? And most people can't understand that. 
And so they, they turn away from God because of these things, especially when we experience that very close to our own hearts, that kind of suffering and deep sense of pain and anguish. But the Bible gives us an answer for where it comes from, and it comes from Lucifer. I want to take you now to Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, and I want you to notice how this evil now came to earth. You see, the Bible says in Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, if you were to read at the end of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, it says that after He created all things, He created all things, uh, it says that, it was, that God looked at it and He saw that it was very good. Man was a part of that creation. You and I are part of that creation. In fact, you and I were created to be stewards of this earth. God appointed man to be a steward of this earth. I wonder how good a job we're doing these days in caring for the earth that God has given for you and for me. Well, the problem is evil. The Bible calls that problem sin. Sin is another word for evil. But I want you to notice how he overthrew man. He overthrew man, Satan overthrew man, the very same way he led a, 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 the, um, a party of angels in rebellion against God. Notice here it says, it speaks of the creation of man, it speaks of, his, of the first temptation. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And here he's speaking to the first pair, Adam and Eve. The first couple uh, by creation, experiencing the wonders of God's creation. But God knew that there had been a rebellion in heaven. And that there was one that was, was cast out. And earth became the next world that he created. The book of Hebrews tells us that God is not only the creator of this world, but the creator of worlds. And so what God did was, God, in order to give Adam and Eve an understanding of the choice they would have to make, when he created the world, the Bible says that he put two special trees in, in the first home given to Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden. The first tree was the tree of life. And as long as they ate from the tree of life, they would have eternal life. They would live forever. See, death was never a part of God's plan. Isn't that good news? Only life and life more abundantly. But there was a second tree that God put there. He called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, in the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. That was the warning he gave. In other words, he was saying, look, there is evil you don't know what that is, but let me present to you by virtue of a choice. You can eat of all the other trees and all the creation that are, everything here is yours. You may freely eat. But of this one tree, do not eat of it because it will bring in the knowledge of evil. And God foresaw the ramifications of such a choice. God foresaw what the world would become with such a choice. And so here we read on, it says, uh, Satan said to Eve, uh, did, did God um, say that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And Eve responds and says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Notice what he said. You shall not surely die. He's calling God a liar, isn't he? And it says, goes on, he goes on to say, For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, know, knowing good and evil. Did you catch what he just said there to Eve? He said, No, Eve, you won't surely die. 
God knows that in the day that you eat, you will be as gods. In other words, you can be like God. In fact, you can be greater than God, like Lucifer wanted to be. And so here's the same spirit of discord. Uh, here we see the spirit where, where he's tempting man to uplift himself above the knowledge of his Creator. He's tempting man to uplift himself in pride and in vanity. And man has to make a choice in view of this temptation. And he's presenting God as a liar. He's presenting God as restrictive. Oh, no. He's really saying to Eve, Eve, you know, if God really loved you, he would let you eat of the tree because you can be as God. But he's holding you back, Eve. He's holding you back. You know, I'm amazed at how many people, when they think of religion, they see it as something that would hold them back. And look, I'm not talking about any religion. I'm talking about the religion of the Bible. I'm talking about true religion. My friends, true religion and the religion of the Bible will not hold you back. Do you know what it will do? It will set you free. It will set you free. It will set you free from pride. It will set you free from vanity. It will set you free from that, that, spirit, that, that spirit of discord that Satan sowed in the hearts of men, where we put others down so that we may be lifted up. That spirit of competition. That was what it was all about, wasn't it? That spirit of competition and that spirit of violence as well because he set a war in the midst of heaven. And my friends, that war now has come down to our planet, to our planet here on earth because the Bible says that Eve, unfortunately, by her choice, chose to fall for this deception. The Bible goes on to say in verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did. Do you know what happened there? She looked at the fruit and she, you know, after Satan had presented it to her, it's so good, she looked at it and thought, wow, it looks great. Wow, it looks, it, 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 it looks perfectly natural and beautiful to eat. And so why not, she thought. But my friends, there's an important lesson here. We may see things that look good, my friends, but you and I know that we ought not to touch it. Isn't that right? I'm a married man. I may see a beautiful woman, but I, may not, I'm, I need to know. No, I am not to go there because my loyalty and my faithfulness to my wife comes first. My friends, so there are things that we may see. There may, may be things that we may listen to, but we are not to go there. We are not to rely on our senses, in other words. What Eve should have done was relied on the Word of God. And my friends, that what, that's what God wants you and I to do, to rely on His Word, to rely on the Word of truth, because God is giving us an answer for where evil began and how the world was plunged into the state that we see it in uh, today. The Bible says that Eve... Also in verse 6 there it says, And she came to her husband, it says, And she says, it says here, and, he, and she gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron, aprons. Notice that even they, they, never, they didn't even look at each other the same anymore. Something had drastically changed. And the Bible goes on to say, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God 
amongst the trees of the garden. They hid themselves from God. But notice God's response to them. Verse 9 says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, This is Adam, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, It was the serpent that beguiled me or deceived me, and I did eat. Do you notice what happened now? Do you notice that there is something that has taken place in relation to the relationship between God and man? Man is now hiding from God, not because of anything God has done, but because of the choice that man has made. And God comes along and He says, Adam, where are you? Now, He's God. He knows all things. He knows where Adam is, but yet He asks him, where are you, Adam, and did you eat? You see, God wants to give Adam the opportunity to be honest and accountable for his actions. That's a real friend, isn't it? A friend that holds you accountable for your actions. A friend that will be there and not sit and support the wrong that you may do. Not sit and encourage evil in your life. No, a real friend will hold you accountable. And if you're a real friend to someone else, you will hold them accountable as well. And that's what God is doing here. You see, God's character has not changed. He is still the same, and He has come seeking after Adam and Eve. And my friends, I want you to know that God comes seeking for you and for me too. God came seeking for me once upon a time. I was living like Adam and Eve. I was looking at all the things I shouldn't look at and touching all the things I shouldn't touch at. I lived a riotous life, but it left an emptiness so deep inside of me that nothing could fill. But I thank God that He came seeking for me. And one day He brought along a lady that just offered to say a prayer for me in my most desperate hour at the time of my life where I was re ready to give up on life. Have you ever had that? Feeling, have you ever come to that point? You're just about ready to give up on life. And here God sent someone who offered to say a prayer for me. I was so touched. I'd never had that happen before. And I said to her, whatever's going to help. Well, she prayed for me. And that was the day when I allowed God to come into my life. And my life began to change for the better. And my friends, that's what God wants you uh, for you as well. And so he sent Jesus, he, he, he's given his eyewitness testimony to let us know how this world has fallen into the state it has and why it is that we suffer, why it is that we experience loss. But God hasn't changed. And I want to share with you, son, another, I want to share with you why God sent his son. Now, you see, God had a response to this dilemma. He said, in the day that you eat, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve God should have rightly wiped them out, perhaps started again. But the Bible continues and says that they continued to live. Was God lying? What was He? Why did He say in the day that you eat, you will surely die? You see, God saw the rape in the world. He saw the murders in the world. He saw the pedophilia in the world. He saw the violence and the wars. He saw what would take place as a result of this decision. But there's an aspect to God's character that even angels had never seen before unfallen angels. And that was the character of mercy. 
the virtue of mercy. And the Bible says, as God spoke to Satan, he said to Satan, I will put enmity. That means I will put a hatred. I will put hatred between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Do you know what that is, friends? Christians know this to be the first messianic prophecy. The first prophecy that foretells of the coming of a savior. One that would be able to bring a separation between good and evil. He would put a hatred between good and evil. So that all would see who stands with God and all would see who stands on the side of Satan. There is no middle ground. Everyone has to have a choice. Everyone has to make that choice. And God has enabled us and helped us to see the value of choosing him through his son, Jesus Christ. This was the first promise of Jesus. Notice it said, it shall bruise your head, he said to Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. That was the first promise of Jesus. And my friends, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that when the Messiah would come, that he would be bruised for our iniquities. He would be bruised for the evils that we have done. He would pay the debt of sin. Where we should have died like Adam and Eve, Christ took our place. That's who Jesus is. He's a savior to you and he's a savior to me. That's who God appointed him to be. And as long as, as he paid our debt of sin, God could rightly dismiss us from the penalty because someone has taken our place. God could rightly forgive us and continue to be just, but at the same time, merciful. Isn't that wonderful? And I want to finish with a final text here. In Luke chapter 4, something that Jesus said concerning his ministry. I want you to notice what Jesus Christ himself said. Luke chapter 4, and verse 18, and he's quoting from the book of Isaiah. He's quoting a prophecy concerning himself. But he's declaring himself to be the fulfillment of this prophecy. Notice he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That gospel, that word gospel, the Greek word is euangelion. It means the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus says that he's come. He's come to be a comfort to the poor. He's come to be a deliverer and to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to restore the sight, sight to the blind. He's, he's come to cause the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. And my friends, his ministry included raising the dead, bestowing back the gift of eternal life. Jesus came to be the tree of life for you and for me. And he today can begin to feed our soul and feed our spirit so that we may see by faith and behold a God of love, a God who has never changed, and more importantly, a God that has not left this world to its own devices, a God who will not make excuse for evil, but will overcome it and help us to overcome it through his Son, Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus is to me. And friends, I pray that you will begin if not already, you will place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, as the one that God has appointed to be a Savior to this world and to you and me. And I pray that you would make that decision today. You know I was uh, 
uh, just uh, at a cemetery not so long ago and visiting the grave of, of those that have passed away, even some of my family. And, uh, and I prayed there, and I prayed, and I remember um, coming home as well, and, you know, there was a, a post on Facebook from an old school friend of mine, and for some reason he had placed this statement on Facebook. Um, he, he had, well, a friend of his had lost his little boy, and my friends made a statement like, what kind of God, or how could you believe in God when a little boy dies? How could you believe in God? Well, I saw the statement, and I responded, and I said, it's funny that, uh, well, not it's funny, I said, it, you know, don't you think it's interesting that, you know, one person can lose a child and choose not to believe in God, whereas another person can lose a child and still believe in God. You see, one of the graves that I visited was my child's grave. I'd lost a daughter. And yet I'm here to you still professing that God is love. You see, I believe that through Jesus Christ, who becomes the tree of life for you and I, that God, according to His promises in His Word, will give eternal life to you and to me again that when Jesus comes the second time, we will experience a resurrection and I will see my daughter again. So my friends, my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would put your faith, you would put your trust in Him today as well. Won't you make that decision with me to put your faith in the good news of a loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. I look forward to seeing you again. This message was made available by Hoxton Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their Facebook page, Hoxton Park SDA Church. That is Hoxton, H-O-X-T-O-N, Park, SDA Church.
Cry. 
Casey Butler and I want to welcome you to Healthy Living Around the World. I am on site at Hergelia Lifestyle Centre in Romania today and my guest is Ida Wu. Welcome Ida to the program. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here and I feel honoured. Very good. Yes, we are very glad to have the opportunity to talk with you today about healthy living. Obviously, you're here at Hergelia, but where are you from originally? If you are asking me where I was born, then it was in China. But where I'm coming from, I was in Loma Linda for the past years where I go to school. And then I was in Vancouver, Canada after I was married. So I have dual citizenship but no more Chinese citizenship now. Aha, uh -huh. okay, so you're, where would you call home now? Is it, is it more Canada? Canada, okay, so that's, that's where you've spent a lot of time by the sound of things. Yes. yes. So you came from there to here, to Hergelia. What was the reason why you came here to Hergelia? Mm -hmm. Well, to start off with, my husband passed away in December 14, 1917. And right after two months after my husband passed away, my brother uh, also passed away. And they both passed away with the lifestyle uh, health problem. Uh -huh. yeah. And so, my other brother, Philip, uh, we were the only two left from the family. Everybody has gone to sleep mm. in the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so he actually, before he organized a trip to, to Romania, Dr. Dan and Magdalena came to Loma Linda for a visit. And we had a meeting with them in my house and also in Dr. Benjamin Lau's house. And we were talking about coming to, to visit um, Romania Lifestyle Center in Hagalia and also in Israel, Magdalia. Uh, so a trip was organized. We end up with seven people coming here for a short visit three days here at Hagalia and then a week in, uh, in Israel. So that was when I first uh, learned from a pamphlet that was passed on to me that Mrs. Wai had this quote to say that soon there will be no ministry except the health ministry. Mm. That gripped me and I was convinced that this is what I would be doing if I'm to enter into any ministry. Okay. So that uh, was something that I have to want to do, but I have no idea when and where. But God, no. So uh, last year in. In Vancouver, uh, while Philip and I were finishing up the the uh, the burial of my husband and my brother, mm -hmm. 
uh, I experienced what we call a TIA or a oh. mini stroke yes. in, in the park for one minute or so, a few oh. minutes, that I could not think of something that I wanted to say and I could not say what I wanted to say. Mm. So after the incident, I told my brother and he suggested that we check check it out with our family doctor. Yes. And my family doctor heard about Hagelia Life Center and he said, yes, why don't you go there and get yourself, you know, heal by learning how to live so that you wouldn't have this uh, chance mm. of getting a stroke, stroke in the future again. because mm. according to uh, study, those who have a TIA will have, 30% will have a relapse or a stroke in the future. Mm. So to prevent that, yes. my brother was studying in China in, the Chinese language class in the university and he decided to drop that class and to accompany me to come to to Hegelia. And that's why I came as a patient and God is so good that the school also accept me as a part-time student oh, as long okay. as my health permits. So I yes. was uh, able to see both sides uh, the training center as well as the uh, sanitarium, mm -hmm. how it worked in both ways. Yes, yeah. wow. Okay, so you have come here for two reasons. Firstly, to improve your own health and to learn how to be able to do missionary work in the health field. Is that right? Yes. That's right. Okay, so that's great you were able to do both in the same place. Thank God. Yeah, provided. that's a blessing, a real blessing. Can you tell me then about how you apply health, a healthy lifestyle in your situation? What kind of things have you found are very beneficial lifestyle habits that you enjoy and that have really helped you, especially in this last recent times where you've had your challenge with your stroke? Mm, I think uh, the uh, sanitarium, they give uh, therapies. Mm -hmm. So I was receiving a massage, I was receiving the uh, hydrotherapy, you know, so they gave me uh, clay therapy. Okay. Because I had also a shingle mm. uh, right after the incident of the deaths to people. Yes. And the uh, shingle had left me with some pain and itching. Mm. Mm. Uh, my doctor was saying that some people, the pain had never go away. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that after being here for a few months, the pain has gone, I would say, like 80 to 90%. So I want to thank Lord, That's the, excellent. God for, for healing that part of it. Also, while I was uh, treating the shingles, they gave me antibiotics. And those antibiotics have some side effects. Mm -hmm. that uh, left me with uh, unbalanced uh, 
gate. Mm -hmm. So when I get up, I will want to lean to the right side. Mm. So I was in the hospital, normally in the medical center, and they checked me from the brain to the heart and did all kinds of tests, but they could not find what the reason is. So we blame it on the antibiotic, mm. um, that it was a side effect. Uh, so that's part that in Hegelia, because of the exercise and the, the walking, that I think I have also improved on the uh, 60 to 70% improvement on that. Uh, my blood pressure has been measured twice a day. And yes. it has also improved. Oh, very good. So I think the, what they are treating me with the um, diet, mm -hmm. the exercise, the therapy, and and the people around here, you know, and the fresh air here really helped me. Yes, wow. So that's quite a, a multifaceted approach that they've taken in your case. Mm -hmm. Is that, yeah, it's good that there's been some very real benefits that you've experienced. Yes. That's um, very encouraging, isn't it? Yes, very mm. encouraging. Yes, and also want to be, uh, thank the staff here, Eddie and Julia. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, you know, nobody has ever been accepted into the school with my age. Oh, how old are you, can I ask? I'm, I'm 79. 79, wow. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, the student also just accepted me as one of their... <laughs> And most of the students are quite a bit younger than 79, aren't they? <laughs> well, that's it's so good that you're able to participate still, uh, even at your age, because, you know, once, once people get older, it's good to stay active, good to keep your mind active. Um, yeah. You know, it helps you live longer. Yes, I want to keep it that way. Do you? Yes. And I, I think we can pray mm. and God will enable us. Yes. Yes. I just want to keep active, and as long as I live, I would want to do a ministry for health. Wow, that's very admirable, especially for you at your age to be wanting to do that, um, do that kind of work. And how do you see living healthfully as having an impact on your spiritual life? Of course, you know, if you don't have to worry about your health, you can spend more time reading the Bible and doing things for other people. Mm. That will affect, that will improve uh, anybody's spiritual life. Mm. But if you have a health problem to worry about, then your focus will be more on the health. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. So it's... It when you've got the health part sorted, you're saying that frees you to focus more on God and on others. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Wow, I like that. Mm. I like that perspective. That's very good. So what would you say then if someone is wanting to, to adopt a healthier lifestyle and maybe make some changes, maybe they want to adopt some new habits in their lifestyle to make it better, what would you say to them from your experience? What would you, what would you recommend um, some advice for them? 
what else is more important than health? Then, well, that is to have God. But if you don't have health, you'll be constantly worrying about health. So it's good to have health and then to have, have God to help you be more uh, happy in, in what, you, what you do. Okay, so you're saying that you want to have health, that's very important, but you also want to have God. Sure. Yes. You must have God first, mm -hmm. but then God will, if you pray to us for health, God will give it to you. This is something that oh. is not against God's will. Yes. Okay. So you're saying that for people who want to adopt a healthy lifestyle, they can ask God for help in doing that? Sure. Mm. Because sometimes we are so weak. Yes. We, we tend to be lazy. We do not want to do the thing that we should do, like yes. we should be walking, but we don't want to lie down. Uh -huh. right? And if the healthy food is not as tasty as the meat, so yes. we want to pick <laughs> that up. But if we pray that God will help us to do the right thing, yes. then He will enable us to do it. Wow. Okay, so you, we need to take hold of that source of strength. Mm -hmm. if we want to go through with those changes. Sure. Yes, I think that is good advice. Have you found that from your experience? Yes. Also, I find that a lot of times we think that we can do a lot. Mm. And we have different ideas and we want to work that out to prove that we're able. But, you know, we are not able to do what some of the things that God wants us to do. So with God's help, He will enable us to do what He wants us to do. That is in God's will. Yes, very good. I think that's such good advice for people because making changes in lifestyle can be very daunting. Mm -hmm. um, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. It's very rewarding and everyone should try and do it, but sometimes it's not the easiest track to take. So that's so encouraging what you're sharing about how we can take hold on God's strength and do it with Him. Mm -hmm. And then I think um, we will be more successful um, in, sure. in doing that. Yes. Yes. yes that uh, is a promise. Yes. That you ask, yes. you will receive. Yes. And you thank Him. Yes. That's good. That's a real blessing. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us your experience, Ida. You've given us some real wise words there in relation to healthy living from your experience. Our guest today on this program has been Ida Wu, and she is currently here at Hergelia Lifestyle Center in Romania, where we are recording here today on location. I'm your host, Casey Butler, and thank you for tuning in to Healthy Living Around the World. God bless you. It's been our pleasure bringing you this program today here on 3ABN Australia Radio.